Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Welcome to 11 a.m. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are so excited that you guys have joined us today. Thank you for coming and being with us. If you're first time with us this morning, we just want to say welcome. We are so glad that you guys are here with us today. We also want to say hi to everyone joining us online. Can we just welcome them this morning? We know we have uh, men and women who are deployed right now who are tuning in, so we just want to say we love you guys, and we're so grateful that you're able to tune in and join us this morning. Man, if, you, if you're new today, or maybe you just haven't been around for a while, we are ending, we're in our final week of a series we've been doing called Traction, and we've been talking about how to get traction in our lives in areas we often feel stuck in. Uh, we talked about getting traction just in our faith, in our walk with God. We talked about getting traction through things like grief and forgiveness. And I'm excited today as we talk about getting traction in our finances. I know for so many of us, it's an area of our life where we just feel stuck. And maybe once upon a time, we had some traction going forward and, and, and we find ourselves stuck once again. And, and just a few weeks ago, we, we ended up walking through this Next Step Initiative, and we talked about giving to ACF Church because we believe God has put on our hearts this Acts 1-8 mission, and we believe that God has, has called us and challenged us to reach our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and our ends of the earth, and that's going to take finances, and we've done this initiative. We've had an amazing response from it, and so many of you guys have been emailing us and writing on those cards, telling us about the testimony that God has uh, working in your life right now? Have you been faithful in your finances? And, and another thing we've seen is a lot of people have been going, man, we, we really want to do this. We love this idea of this, and it's in our hearts, but we don't know how to move forward in our finances. Like, they're kind of a mess right now. We're kind of stuck right now, and we don't know how to take steps forward in this. And so we want to help you guys get traction in your finances. And so we've invited a good friend of ours. He's a friend of ACF. He's been up here many times to come and speak on getting traction in your finances. So we're, we are very excited for that today. But I'm just going to let you know, you're going to hear about this throughout this morning tonight. 
he's going to be putting on something called the Financial Learning Experience. And we want every person in this room to come and join us tonight, to be here tonight. Because we believe that God has something for you to take away so that you can continue with traction in your finances. And maybe you're in here tonight and you're like, man, I've been to the financial learning experience. I was there before. I've even gone through, through a life group study of it. I want to encourage you to come back. I know for myself, for my wife and I, we have been to the financial learning experience. And I can tell you this. When we went through it last time, we, are in, we were in one place in our lives and one place in our finances, and today we're someplace totally different, and we need to go back through that again and continue to learn and continue to be challenged. I'm going to invite Joe up here in just a second, but before I invite Joe up, Joe, he, he's, from, he's from the South, okay? And so when they speak in the South, there is, there's some interaction that happens, okay? So, so who's, anybody who's from the South in here? I know there's a lot. Okay. All right, so you, you all... You, Y'all know, right, how to enter. I am from the Northwest, born and raised my whole life, West Coast. So y'all know you got to make some noise. So like when Joe, Joe gives a good point, you say things like, amen, let's, let's practice that. Like, Jesus is Lord. Amen. That's right. We need some interaction this morning, right? You could say amen or, 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 or preach it is also an acceptable alternative. So, so we say things like, like, Jesus is coming back. There we go. So now you guys know how to interact with Joe. So can we give a huge ACF welcome to Mr. Joe Sangle? Yeah. Good part out. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I was raised in Indiana, but I moved to South Carolina in 1998. So I guess I've been there about half my life. And if you've ever came to Myrtle Beach, Hilton Head, or... Uh, Charleston, you know it's a great place to be. Uh, I looked at the forecast today in South Carolina. It says abundant sunshine is the actual forecast, and it's only going to be 74 degrees. And so fall has just started in South Carolina. But I was fired up to get on a plane and take three different flights in 17 hours to get to Anchorage, Alaska. I'm fired up to be in AK, the 49th state. Yeah. And I get to see snow. And allegedly tomorrow, pastor's going to make me be in snow. I don't know what that means. I'm fearful for my life, which is awesome. I am so excited to be back. My first time was here in 2016. And man, God has continued to do an amazing thing through each and every one of you. It's absolutely incredible. In fact, I see these projects that you've completed and all the different uh, number of lives that have been impacted. And I just celebrate with you all that God has done. Isn't it incredible what God's doing here at ACF? It fires me up. And so the southern term I've learned, all y'all are doing an amazing work up here. I'm fired up about that. And we've been in this series called Traction, and I'm excited to talk about this because uh, traction in our finances is important. Uh, pastors talk about having traction in your faith, uh, and uh, we've also talked about traction when you're faced with grief, and grief can catch you off guard at times, and many of us have lost people we've loved. We're getting ready to enter into the Thanksgiving season and the Christmas season, and we remember those that we love so much. And I'm reminded of what Dr. Seuss said. We know we don't cry because it's over. We smile because it happened. And that's so important. And uh, today I'm going to talk about getting traction with our money. And I don't know about you, but have you ever felt like you're spinning your wheels financially? Who's ever felt like you've been spinning your wheels financially? Like you just cannot get traction. I mean, for example, you, you finally get the PFD payment and then life happens. The refrigerator dies, the car starts making special sounds, hot water heater goes out, and the roof starts leaking, but only when it rains. Have you ever had that happen? 
I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? Or maybe you start investing and that's right when the market collapses. And your 401k turns into a 201k and then into a box of special K. Can I get a witness? And it's like, yep, that's what I knew would happen. And you're like, I'm stuck. I cannot get progress. Uh, Maybe it's that moment where we decide, you know, hey, we're going to finally have a budget. And then it's the certain month when, you know, every single possible surprise expense shows up, another school fundraiser. It's just unbelievable. And you're like, this, this budget thing ain't working. Plus, it requires math. And Satan invented math. Therefore, budgets are from Satan. And you wouldn't want to do anything that's ungodly. Who's with me? We just can't seem to get traction. And, you know, uh, I've seen this reminded recently. On July 15th, a wonderful thing happened in my life. Um, And uh, I have burned up 22 years of marital equity, and I brought home a puppy. She was born July 15th across the street from me, and I brought her home. I brought a picture to show of her. Her name is Ginger Justice. Oh, isn't she so cute? She's a golden retriever. You know, I've now achieved all I wanted to do today. I wanted to show you a picture of my puppy. And my wife just doesn't like her so much, but I just love her, and the kids love her. And, you know, she's on a hardwood floor there at our house, and there's something fun with dogs and hardwood floors. Have you noticed this? And so uh, we can make her lose traction rapidly. My nine-year-old boy comes in and starts playing with her, and she starts to try to go, and she, no matter how far she she's just like legs everywhere, and she just falls down, face plant. And then when she finally does get traction and starts moving, then he makes a quick turn, and she learns about the difference between radial velocity and tangential velocity, and she just goes right through the corner and hits the wall, and the kids just love it. And she seems to get over it pretty fast, pretty amazing. But she, she can't get traction. When she finally gets traction, she wipes out and can't turn when she needs to turn. She loses traction again. And so here's a principle I learned. Now, I went to Purdue University. It's in Indiana, halfway between Indianapolis and Chicago. And I studied mechanical engineering, boiler up, hammer down, as I heard someone say here. And here's what I know. I, I, I went to mechanical engineering school, and you need to understand I had a 2.64 GPA. So please understand that when I speak. I could be wrong, okay? But I didn't get a single A in a single engineering class. I did get an A in indoor flower arranging. So there were 97 girls, three guys, and I got to bring a flower arrangement to my girlfriend every week, including the week we made funeral arrangements, you know, that were made at big triangle ones out of lilies. Like I brought that across campus to her and said, I love you till death. This is awesome. And, and we've been married 22 years. Get fired up. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Trying to make it one more day. It's awesome. With a puppy. Uh, but here's what I know. Uh, I was in this class, and uh, the freshman year, everybody's in the same engineering classes. In the first year, they fail out half the students with a class called Physics 152. In Physics 152, one day, I went and looked at my test score, and I had gotten a 24% on a test. 24%. For real. I'm walking through campus trying to figure out my next thing I'm going to study, because uh, this isn't it. And uh, I saw a sign that says, feeling bad about yourself? Donate blood. So I donated blood for the first time in my life. <laughs> Unfortunately, they stabbed through both sides of the vein. I bled out, passed out, woke up 18 hours later with a swollen arm. I can't move my arm. So the next day, I'm walking through campus with a swollen arm that I can't bend. And I look at my test score, and I realize on the curve, I got a C with a 24%. That's a C. Yes. 
so in our next year, we get to go to our specialized study, and I moved into mechanical engineering classes. In the first year, the fall semester of that, they fail out another half of the students with a class called thermodynamics. Thermodynamics was invented by Satan. It's the study of heat, and my grades reflected it. In fact, at the end of the semester, I'm sitting there, and it's a final exam time. I take the final exam, and there's three questions, and each question has about 16 parts. So I'm reading all these subparts of the first question, and I get to the end of that one, I'm like, not only do I not know what they are asking, I do not know what they are saying. This is a problem. I skipped on to question two. Same thing. By the time I got to the end of the third one, I had a sudden onset case of sweaty armpit syndrome. I am failing out. This is awful. This is TRBL, terrible. Charles Barkley, terrible. And so I went back and started making stuff up. And this is the days where you couldn't check your grades online. They mailed them to you. And so on Christmas Eve, the letter shows up with my grades. I refuse to open it. I'm not going to ruin my Christmas. And so I put it in the top drawer. I mean, I intercepted the mail. I made sure I got the mail so my parents didn't see it. I put it in the top drawer, and I did not open it until a week after Christmas. And as I opened it up, I saw the most awesome letter grade ever. I got a D. Woo! For degree. I'm sure of it. And so I go back to school, and I tell the dean of the School of Mechanical Engineering, I said, I need to take this class again. He said, I don't think you understand. Number one, we failed out half the students in this class. You got a D. If you took it again, I'm pretty sure you're not going to get an A, and you might fail it. So keep going. So that was good advice. But I learned this great principle. This is true. I actually learned this. That traction happens when friction is present. Traction only happens if there's friction present. If friction does not exist, you cannot get traction. It's a principle. God created it. And and in fact, we got a formula that says the force of friction equals something, it's mu, the little Greek letter mu, which is the coefficient of friction times the normal force. Are you excited? Who's my engineers in here? You fired up right now. Now watch it as I preach it. Everybody's like, preach it. That's awesome. Now watch this. If there is no coefficient of friction, then nothing is required really to move it. It it, it just moves. This is what happens when you step on black ice on your front porch and didn't know it was there. You suddenly find yourself on the ground. Why? There was no friction present, so you had no traction, and you get a bruise on the rear end. Right? Traction only happens when friction is present. And this same thing is true in your finances. In fact, in the story told a parable that's documented in the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, Jesus shares a story that is commonly known as the parable of the talents. And in this story, he says an owner is going on a journey, and he entrusts his possessions to three managers. And he gives them different amounts. To one, he gives five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, and he leaves. And the guy with five, he doubled his. He gets a thumbs up. The guy with two, he doubles his. He gets a thumbs up. The guy with one, if you're familiar with the story, he buries his. And it gets thumbs down. In fact, some pretty strong language Jesus used is, you wicked, lazy servant. 
And so you knew that a harvest were not sown, gathered were not scattered seed. You should have at least put it on deposit with the banker so that I returned, I received it with interest. And he says, throw that worthless servant outside into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And as I look at this story, I really see four friction points. Now watch this. They're friction points and they cause friction in our life. But if we embrace the friction, then we will gain traction. If we don't embrace this friction, you'll not get traction. And so if you're taking notes today, the first friction point is this, and that's ownership. Everybody say ownership. 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 So Matthew 25, 14, Jesus says, again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. So let me ask you the question. Who owns it all? Let me help you. This is a pretty weak response. Let me help you. When a preacher asks a question, the answer is almost always, 95% of the time, it's yes or God. Okay? So let me help you here so you can get an A. Who owns it all? God. Yeah, I like it. God does own it all. In fact, Psalm 24.1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It's all his. Like you've heard it said before, you know, we, God owns it all. And you might say, you know, I, I kind of bristle at that. You know, I work really hard. I've built this business. I've been able to acquire these things that I own them. And I would point you to Deuteronomy 8.18, which says this. It says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is to this day. See, it's difficult, though, to relinquish the ownership position, isn't it? I want to be the owner. I want to pretend that I'm the owner. And we've heard it said before that, you know, you can't take your stuff with you. That when you die, all of your stuff is going to someone else, isn't it? Maybe even someone you don't like that much. Like, for reals. Like, you've never, the old preacher story is, you've never seen a U-Haul following the hearse to the graveyard. Right? Now, I have said that probably a uh, hundred times a year for 15 years teaching this stuff. And about a month ago, a guy came up afterwards and said, Joe, you're not going to be able to say that anymore because my dad took it with him. He had a U-Haul follow the hearse to the graveyard. He sent me pictures. I want to share them with you. Take a look at these pictures. I'm taking it with me. You can take it with you. Is that crazy? I was like, what on earth? He was showing these pictures, and then he sent me a story, and with his permission, I share the letter he wrote me. He wrote this. My dad was very much a believer in himself. Although I talked to him about death, he would always joke he was never going to die. It's always all about the money. He always made sure he took care of himself. For his 80th birthday, I put together a poster of his past possessions for everybody to see. It was perfect for him that everybody would see the airplanes, boats, buildings, and other conquests he had acquired. Finally, he developed Alzheimer's, ended up in the memory unit. As an only son, I was in charge of the funeral arrangements and was the last speaker. I explained that his God was his money and that he really hoped to take it all with him. Hence, the U-Haul to follow the hearse to burial. Some people were mad. Some loved it. Some came up and applauded me for actually being honest at a funeral. 
Hopefully, I made people aware that it's not what you gather, but what you can give away. Isn't that incredible? And I sat there, and I, I've, I've, I, it's t- it took me aback. And I realized yet again, all of us, are in, whether intentionally or unintentionally, are leaving a legacy behind us. A legacy of faith and all the money decisions we make, whether good or poor, the way we behave is leaving a legacy. And I resolved yet again that may it never be that my son writes a letter like that about me to someone else. Amen? Watch this. We're warned of this very thing of greed by Jesus in the book of Luke, verse 12, verse 15. He says, chapter 12, verse 15, he says, Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And when we look at this ownership thing, we tend to chase stuff. We really want stuff. We want ownership position. We want to drive. But let's ask this question. Who is a better owner, God or you? I would much rather have the manager position. The ownership position has all the, the stress. And so I love this fact because think, think about this for a second. If you are managing money the way you are right now, should you fire you, yes or no? For example, if you had a business and you had a manager running the day-to-day and you went to that manager and you said, what's your plan for this next year? How will we make money? What if they looked at you and said, you know, I'm just going to kind of wing it. Oh, I hope it works out. What would you say to that manager? You are fired. You are finally free to pursue all the other opportunities in your life. Uh, You don't have to go home, but you got to get on up out of here, right? And I will tell you, that's the reason many of us are stuck. We can't get traction. Watch this, because we've been fired. And we have to embrace this friction of ownership and say, God, help me to relinquish it. We'll always try to grab it back. Help me hold to the truth that my life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. May I leave a legacy of generosity and embrace this friction. It will be friction to give up ownership. But watch this. With friction, you can gain traction. The second friction point that I wanted to share with you is ability. Ability. In Matthew 25, 15, it says, To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag. Read these next five words with me, starting with the word each. Are you ready? Each according to his ability. Do you see it? Then he went on his journey. I think this is incredible because it says, Jesus' words, that the owner, who owns it all? God recognizes the ability of his manager and he gives according to that ability. This is great, great news that as we increase our ability, we will be able to manage more. Isn't that incredible? That's great news. Here's the issue. Getting more ability comes with friction. Winston Churchill famously said, personally, I'm always ready to learn, although I do not always like being taught. Can anybody identify with that? How about all my students, right? Here's what I know. It's not enjoyable to be taught all the time. In fact, when you're being taught, sometimes you recognize that you lack 
information. You lack it. And you're like, I don't know how to prosper with this. I don't know how to apply this. When they start talking about investing, and they say 401k, 403b, 457, TSP, SEP IRA, SEMP IRA, you think they're speaking in tongues. It's like, can I just go out to eat on a credit card? Like, for real. And it can be very confusing. And when you, if you ever walked in a room and people are talking about something and you have no idea what they're talking about, and all of a sudden you're like, uh, they seem to be enjoying themselves. They seem to have knowledge I don't have. And then you start having FOMO, the fear of missing out. Like, I don't know what I don't know. And watch this. That money really does have rules. And what you do not know, the ability you lack, can absolutely cost you greatly. But we got to embrace the friction of ability. Proverbs 4, 7 says, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. That's deep thoughts by Solomon. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Very deep thought, Solomon. But he adds a tagline. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Do you see it? Solomon recognized that if you paid money for wisdom, this is why we pay money for college education, for technical certifications. This is why we are willing to invest in that because we recognize that as we increase our ability, it will be worth whatever we paid for it because it allows us to prosper, but it, it, it requires us to embrace friction. Proverbs 15, 22 says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. And this says we got to have wise counsel in our life. But for many of us, it's not the most exciting thing to go meet with a financial advisor. It's not the most exciting thing to go meet with a financial coach. It's not the most exciting thing to meet with a small business coach. You know, when faced with talking about money and other options, many times you really ponder the other options. Even if the other options are get hit in the head ten times by a two-by-four, you like seriously consider that versus talking about money. But you have to embrace this friction and increase your ability. You know, I told you about my thermodynamics class, and I realized not studying And playing basketball every single day for five or six hours and watching ESPN and majoring in a South Side Chicago Polish girl named Jennifer Lynn Jukowski was affecting my grades. So I decided to embrace the friction of learning. And I took a class called Math 262. Math 262 was linear algebra and differential equations. Who has taken this class? Also known as Diffie Q's. It's the next class after calculus. You learn about great things like kernels. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And I decided that I would do something crazy. I would study. Shocking. And so instead of going playing basketball, I went to the library with my Walkman. Yeah. (laughs) With a cassette tape. Yes. And I studied. And when I went to that final exam, shockingly, I knew what they were asking. I was the first one done, and I left with the five credit hours straight A. It turns out, if you embrace the friction of increasing your ability, it will make you have more ability. It's unbelievable. (laughs) And you will begin to get traction, and it is worth it. See, here's what I know. With my finances, I had credit card debt, student loan debt, Truck debt, car debt, house debt, I owed my parents' debt, 
I had debt up to my eyeballs. I had to jump up every now and to get a little oxygen. And then I realized I didn't have ability, so I started reading books on the topic, going to seminars on the topic, reading God's Word, the greatest money book ever written. And then I did something crazy. I applied it. And in the course of 14 months, me and my bride were able to become debt-free except for our house. At the age of 38, we were able to pay off our house. In fact, at the age of 38, we had the ability to make the choice on whether or not we retire. I can't believe it. I choose to work. I don't have to. I am so grateful. Because I chose one day, way back when, to increase my ability, to embrace the friction. You know, when, when you come to a moment like this, you can really wrestle with it. And, and I will tell you, when you're sick and tired of having a mess, you will finally reach a point where you're like, I'm going to embrace this friction because I want to get traction. Friction, listen, increasing the ability will cause friction. But remember, traction happens when friction is present. The third friction point is the word immediately. Everybody say immediately. 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 I love this in verse 16 through 18 of Matthew 25. Jesus continues, and he says, The man who received five bags of gold went at once, and he put his money to work, and he gained five bags more. He doubled his money. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, and he hid his, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. So let me get really relevant for a minute. Parents, if you tell your child... I want you to go to your room and clean it immediately. When they do not go to their room and clean it immediately, how does it make you feel? Does it make you have special feelings of, oh, I love this child. This child is amazing. I'm so grateful that God has given me these blessings. Like arrows in a quiver. It's just unbelievable, the Lord's blessings of my children who did not clean the room. Is that how you respond? What happens if they do not clean their room immediately? You are frustrated. It is very, very frustrating. Now watch this. That's pretty normal. In fact, on the one-off circumstance where they actually do it, where they actually go immediately and they actually clean the room instead of getting distracted by a device, right? And they clean the room immediately. How does that make you feel? It's like, woo! yes, angels are singing, the sun bursts forth, it's like, I don't know what has happened, it's the the greatest day ever, isn't it, parents? When they respond immediately, I'm telling you, this word immediately really matters, because, watch this, many of us, right now, as we sit here, know immediately what you should do with your finances to gain traction. You know what you need to do. You know it. You've relinquished ownership. You, you've, you've made sure that you went at once, right? We, we're, we're trying to go at once, or we increased our ability, and we're trying to go at once. But watch this. You're not doing it. Let's ask a question. How many of us know we should do a budget? Okay. I'm not going to have for you to raise your hand on this next one. How many of us are not doing that? You know what I'm saying? I knew for years I needed to do a budget. Instead, I employed the credit card to catch the slack. I always overspent. I had the spiritual gift of making money disappear. Very talented at it. And I should have been employing the wisdom from the kids show, Swiper. 
no swiping, come on, Vamanos, everybody, let's go. But I was swiping away. I knew what I needed to do. I had the ability to do it. I just didn't do it. What do you need to do? You already know what to do. What do you need to do immediately? Do you see it? It, it, this guy went at once. I, I really find myself identifying with what Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 7, verse 15 of the book of Romans. I think this is a human issue. It says, Paul writes, I do not understand what I do. Who can identify with that? And then he continues, for what I want to do, I do not do. And what I hate, I do. Who can identify with that? It's unbelievable, isn't it? And, and I learned this principle that Proverbs 10.4 says, Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. What do you know that you need to do and you should do it immediately? You already know. Let's ask the question. We talk about budgeting. What about giving? You know God's word says, put him first. You know Malachi 3.10 says, test me in this by bringing the tithe in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And the Lord says, test me in this. See if I throw open the floodgates, pour out so much blessing and not room enough to store it. And you've heard Luke 6.38 that says, give and it should be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over into your lap. It'll be poured in your lap for with the same measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. And you know 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, remember this, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows generously will reap generously. You know this, yet many of us, we know we should give, yet we do not do it. Many others, we know we need to get rid of debt. We know that that credit card needs to leave. We know it. Yet we continue to swipe away. I remember when I had my IHHE moment with my finances. It was December 2nd, 2002, and I had an IHHE moment, which stands for I have had enough moment. Hey, let me ask you a question. What happens when your mama had enough? Did things stay the same? Let me tell you, with me and my five brothers, there were six of us, when Mama Sangle had enough, she announced it. It was a general announcement. She would say, I have had enough. And then she'd whip out her primary weapon, which was a fly swatter with a metal wire in it. And she'd move towards the perpetrator, swinging wildly. And if you got caught in the crossfire, she was unapologetic. She's like, I'm catching up for something I didn't see. It's your fault for getting in the way. I've had enough. And if we didn't straighten up, if we didn't get traction, she told dad. And then we would put in traction. You know what I mean? <laughs> so watch this. I took the fly swatter to my finances. And we started saying this word no. And for the first time in our life, we prepared a budget. And then we did something crazy. We followed it. Shocking. And then we stopped saying no to, to, or yes to debt. We said no to it. In fact... I couldn't control my credit card, so I decided to take the extreme step by calling the company and shutting off my account. I called them up. I would like to close my account. I have chopped up my cards. And they said, well, you've been a wonderful customer. I'm like, I bet I have. <laughs> and they said, no, you know, Mr. Sangle, if you cut this card up and you turn it off, it will affect your credit score. I said, well, having it affects my bank account. So chop it up. And it wasn't the credit card's fault, it was enabling my impulsiveness. You understand? And so I went for six years without a credit card. And it allowed me to change my behavior. 
and it set me free. What I thought was cutting off my lifeline in case of an emergency was actually cutting off the shackles that kept me bound. Because we chose one day, with the Lord's help, to do it immediately. And it allowed us to set ourselves free. And I want that for every one of you. It is not God's desire for your life to live a life of bondage financially. This is why he provides so much wisdom in his word about money. So let's think about what you could immediately start doing. You could start budgeting. You could immediately start giving. You could immediately stop using debt to fund things of no or little value. You could immediately start being generous to the least of these. You could immediately train your kids about how to manage money. You could maybe even immediately eliminate some expenses. And I noticed something about this friction, this coefficient of friction. There's really two of them. One of them is the coefficient of static friction, and another one's coefficient of kinetic friction. And what the difference is, static means to get it started moving, what you have to overcome to get it moving. And the other one is, once it's moving, what type of force is required to keep it moving. And the force required to get something started is always greater than the force required to maintain motion. That's why immediately matters, because once you get started that tough thing, you will start to make progress, and it requires less and less effort as you go along. I strongly encourage you to get started because God honors movement. Let's, let's think about that for a minute. God honors movement. Think about stories in the Bible. Think about the man with the shriveled hand. He wanted healing. And he stood before Jesus, and Jesus told him, stretch forth your hand. In other words, he told him, you've got to move. Does that make sense? And when, when was the shriveled man's hand healed? When he moved and stretched forth his hand, he was instantly made whole. We see the story of Joshua when the Israelites crossed the Jordan River in flood season on dry land. That the water miraculously parted and they crossed on dry land. When did the water part? You'll find in Joshua 1 and 2 that the moment that the high priest's ankles touched the water, when they moved, that's when the water parted and miraculous things happened. God honors movement. Jesus came out walking on water, which was awesome. And he, Peter's in the boat, and Peter says, hey, I don't know how that's happening, but I want to do that. And guess what Jesus said? Get out of the boat. And when did Peter walk on water? When he moved out of the boat. He, when he moved. Isn't that amazing? Think about the paralyzed man. He's laying on a mat. Think, think about how audacious this statement is. Jesus walks up to a paralyzed person and says, Get up and walk. You try that to a paralyzed person. But Jesus knew that healing is in his hands. And yet, let me tell you, he's still in the healing business. And he sat and told him to move. And that man got up and he walked out carrying his mat because he chose to believe and he moved. Movement, this immediate thing, will always create friction. But watch this when you get friction, you'll get traction you'll make progress. Amen? The final friction point that I wanted to share is investing. Everybody say investing. Investing. In Matthew 25, 16 through 17, it says, the man had received five bags of gold, went at once, and put his money to work. Do you see it? He didn't say he went to work. He put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. 
In other words, in the King James Version, it actually says you should have put it to the exchangers. Think about that word, the New York Stock Exchange, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. It's an investing principle. And this is a friction point because in our surveys, when we ask people what confuses you about money, what what is the most challenging thing, it's investing, 10 to 1 or more. Investing is confusing. You know, who do you trust? What is a good decision? There's fear because there's risk involved. I might lose what I put in it. Um, There's all these different languages about compound interest and mutual funds and real estate and small business, all the different types of investments, and it just drives people crazy and it actually causes paralysis. But we have to embrace that friction. In fact, I remember my first ever stock investment. I grew up just south of Indianapolis, Indiana, and there was a very large insurance company there named Conseco Insurance. In fact, they had sponsored the Indiana Pacers' new field house, the Conseco Field House, and uh, their stock was trading at one time at like 58 bucks a share. Well, suddenly it plummeted, and it went down to about $2.11 a share. And so I decided I would make my first ever stock investment, and I bought $600 worth. The next day, no joke, it dropped in value by half to just over a dollar. I was like, "Woo! I can get double the shares, so I bought another $600 worth. No joke, you can look at the history. The next day, it dropped to 63 cents. I decided not to buy more. The fourth day, no joke, it went bankrupt. And I had watched my money perform a magic disappearing trick. I made it vaporized to zero. I lost all $1,200. And I will tell you, in that moment, I started repeating what everybody always said. All the broke people around me said, you can't trust that stock market. It's the, like going to Vegas and all that stuff. And then I can tell you now, many years later, I look back and say it was the greatest $1,200 education I ever had in my life. Because it made me ask the question, what did all these other people know who were selling that I did not know? How could I increase my ability and be able to win at this thing called investing. Investing creates a lot of friction. But we see in this story called the parable of the sower that Jesus shared. It's about sowing seed. And he talks about four different types of soil. He talks about some stony soil. And he says it sprouts up, but it can't get roots, so it dies. Doesn't really produce anything. Another's like thorny soil. And then he talks about the good soil. And he says, when you sow in good soil, well, then you can get an amazing return. In fact, he shares in Matthew 13, verse 8, he says, still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, watch this, 160 or 30 times what was sown. Who here would like an investment that returns 100 times what was sown? Okay. Who's okay if it's just 30 times? I'm, I'm all in. Put me in that. And here's something that I learned from this. Even though some other investments go bad. Anybody had a bad investment? Yeah, yeah, okay. Watch this. The one good one overcame and compensated for all the bad ones. It teaches a principle of diversification. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Spread it around. And pray for the Lord to point you to good soil and watch what will happen. Because when you start investing, what, it will cause friction. But with that friction you'll get traction. 
And it's through investing that God can show up and provide abundance. In fact, if you say it right, it will rhyme that if you invest, you can reap an abundant harvest. And it's awesome. And so each of you have a card in your seat when you came in. And that's where we're talking through this traction series about your next steps. I want you to take a look at it and determine what your next step is today. The first step is the greatest decision you could ever make. And that is the decision to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life. You know, it's the greatest prayer you could ever pray this side of heaven. Is to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life. It says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. That you will be saved. That's found in Romans 10, 9. And I pray today that if you've not surrendered your whole life and put him first place in your life, I encourage you today, make that decision and you can check that box. It'll be the greatest decision you ever made. The second box is if you've made Jesus Lord of your life, your next step is to go public with your faith through baptism. And baptism happens once a month here at ACF. And you can check that box and you get to go public with your faith. And it's one of the greatest moments that you can have in front of your friends and family and coworkers to be able to say, I am following Christ with my life. And that I am embracing the friction of being a Christ follower knowing there really is no greater life. And the two related to finances today, the next one, it says this way, it's got a blank. My next step is to embrace the financial friction and begin moving forward by, and you fill in the blank. Let me give you some words you can put in. Giving. Maybe your next step is to budget. You could put budgeting. Maybe it's to chop up the credit card. Maybe it's to start investing. Maybe it's to get some classes. What is it? Because when you embrace the friction of ownership, when you embrace the friction of getting ability, and you do so immediately, you embrace the friction of investing, you'll find that you'll get great and tremendous traction. You'll be able to fund the biggest dreams of your life. You'll be able to live a fully funded life. The fourth step is to take your next step to attend the financial learning experience. It's going to be right here this afternoon and evening. It's going to be about learning practical ways to get your money to work for you in alignment with God's word. We're going to talk about how to have a budget that actually works how to become debt-free, how to save money, uh, how to invest, how to plan for retirement. And uh, all the tools are free. There's over 100 free financial tools. And here's the great news. It costs nothing. And we've got enough extra stuff for you to bring your friends, your family, your coworkers here as well. And I want to see you win with your money so that you can live an abundant life, a fully funded life. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for every single life represented here. God, I pray right now in these moments, as we've talked about this challenging topic of money, God, we've all made mistakes with money. We've all tried to grab the reins of ownership. God, we've been fearful of investing. And God, we've been paralyzed, and we haven't taken the steps that we could immediately take. And God, we've resisted learning more. God, I pray that today, you would fill us with the courage and the faith to take our next step. God, I pray that as we take those next steps, that you would make your presence abundantly known. Help us to have clarity for the vision for our life. And as we take those steps, God, we know we'll meet you there every step of the way. Help us to have traction, Lord. 
And when you do the work, when you work the miracle, when you provide the overflow blessings, may we be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory and all the credit. For it's all for you. In your name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.